Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. And I'm Evan Novi williams and this is the College Football Cinderella Sports Business Podcast, The Sportacast. Yeah, like anybody, Evan, who used to be at Syracuse University cannot be termed a Cinderella. I mean, <laughs> John Cunningham, the AD at Cincinnati, is our guest. And if you look at his resume, Syracuse University is a nice two-year stint there. Uh, I'm 88 to 92, Newhouse graduate, John. So uh, why don't you give me two seconds on, on all the fun you had at snowy Syracuse? Well, it was only one year at Syracuse, but oh. um, we, we really did enjoy it, my wife and I. And our twin boys moved to Syracuse, moved to Manlius, a uh, great, great suburb of Syracuse. And, uh, you know, we, we really had a great time. And, and it does snow, but, um, you know, you can, you can handle snow. I, you know, I, I spent some time at, at Minnesota as well, and, and the cold probably got to me a little bit more than the snow did. So there's beautiful parts of uh, upstate New York, and we got to discover those in my one year. And we made a uh, NCAA run to the final four with coach Bayheim that was just fantastic in 2016 so it was a great a great year for myself and my family up there now for people who aren't familiar with the geography just to the west is lake onondaga and it's not just the regular snow pattern but you get the lake effect snow almost all the time one time i hit on 81 was going north to visit a family member up at fort drum i made it about six miles north and all of a sudden, the troopers were across the highway saying, that's it. Snow went from, you know, three, four, five inches to a foot plus. I mean, that's just how it happened up there. But they were really good at getting rid of it. So, you know, if you, if you live there, you sort of just get used to it. And I would walk to class in my boots and my shorts. And so what? Get out there and do it. Amazing what they could do moving snow up there. It was absolutely incredible. All right, speaking of amazing what you can do, you've got a pretty big football game coming up now. Uh, at our time of recording here, the Team USA uh, junior hockey team just had to forfeit a game because of two positive COVID tests. How in the world do you keep a team of 60, 70 folks uh, ages 18 to 21 uh, safe uh, and in sort of a bubble at, at this point? It seems like a Herculean task to try and keep a team COVID free right now. It's very difficult. And um, certainly this is a, a, a strain of COVID that is uh, highly contagious. And so we understand that. Um, but, you know, we have great medical team here and we're listening to our medical team. We've, we've certainly dialed back the events that we're, we're doing here and, and some of the things that we've got going on surrounding the bowl game. Um, but, you know, we're we're doing everything we can and, and trying to stay healthy. And, and um, so far, so good. Knock on wood. 
I was going to ask how different, what changed kind of in the past two weeks, let's say. We had Bill Hancock on the show two weeks ago. We asked him about Omicron. This was kind of before everything really slowed down in sports. He wasn't all that concerned about it. You guys have known you've been in this game for for, for a little bit now. What did you guys kind of change about the original plan uh, to make sure that you were being extra safe, given you know the, the, the fact that the virus changed as well? Yeah, you know, one of the things right away you, you do is you get – you get really strict about your N95 masking that you do on the team. Um, you know, I think that we all got, you know, myself included, got tired of wearing the masks and uh, probably took some, cut some corners along the way um, in the middle of the year when, when things were going well. We're, we're fully vaccinated. That's another big piece to this puzzle. Um, and we had a, a number of our student athletes that did go ahead and get the booster as well. Um, those that were el- eligible to get that. So, um, those are some of the things that you could do, uh, to protect yourself. And then obviously just trying to understand your surroundings. That was a big message for our team. You know, no matter where you go, understand your surroundings and, and be as careful as you possibly can. Um, but then, you know, it, it's around and, uh, the virus will do what the virus does in some ways. And so we just have to, uh, have to get get a little lucky here over the next couple of weeks and, and stay healthy. So, John, I'll pass along a question uh, that was asked to me at at Christmas dinner. Uh, my 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 father, who who pays attention to the financial side of college sports because of the job that I have, asked me, uh, "How does a school like Cincinnati end up in the college football semifinals? Given that the budgets are obviously so much smaller uh, than big schools like Alabama, which will play on Friday." Uh, and I was like, "That's a perfect question for our next podcast guest, uh, the the guy who runs the budgeting uh, over at uh, at Cincinnati." Uh, in your own words, in a few sentences, give. Give me, give me a see the best way you would explain how Cincinnati has risen in the past few years to becoming one of the best football teams in the country. Sure. I, I think it starts right at the top with our head coach and his culture. Uh, he's built a tremendous culture from top to bottom and, and a culture that, that speaks to, to growth and being the very best that we, we could be. Uh, he felt very strongly that we could compete against anybody. Um, and so that, that culture um, you know, runs throughout the program. And then I, I think it's also just a, a belief in, in what we are about and creating a, a little bit of a, um, you know, a, a unique approach to, to how we do things, which is the, re- the recruiting model that Coach uh, Fickle has, um, looking strongly at Ohio kids first and foremost. Um, you know, he talks about a 500-mile radius and, and, you know, you're recruiting in Chicago and you're recruiting in Indiana and, and Kentucky and Ohio and really making sure that you – you do everything you can to get the very best young men um, out of that that area of the world, and then going out a little bit to go get certain players um, that fit your culture. And so, you know, you when you have an identity, you can beat anybody. And I think that that uh, we have an identity. It's it's tough. It's gritty. It's defensive minded. Obviously, run the ball, um, and that's that's who we are, and that's how we've gotten to this point. So it starts with Coach Fickle. And how, how do you sustain I – I wrote down some numbers. There's obviously a lot of financial numbers you can look at. Looking at, at football ticket sales uh, for, for, for fiscal 2020, Michigan had $50 million, Alabama $37, uh, Auburn $36 million, Cincinnati around, around $4 million. How sustainable is this success, do you think, given the, the economic imbalance that exists right there? Well, hold on. Is this where they start booing at like the school president's office? It a boo. <laughs> Come on, John. What do you mean $4 million? We've got to do better. We're, we're limited um, only in our capacity. So we're, we, you know, we have a we have a smaller stadium. Um, it's it's tucked in the middle of our campus. It's beautiful. It's it's again very unique to us. Um, but it's not a hundred thousand seat stadium. And so uh, you know we were selling out games. We only 
We had one game that was not a sellout this year. We're, we're almost completely sold out into next year. In fact, we've started a waiting list uh, for the first time, I think, ever um, at our university. So uh, we're certainly going to continue to grow and find ways to grow, but we are a li little bit limited in the capacity of, of historic Nippert Stadium. Uh, but at the same time, you know, our, our expenses aren't aren't where some of those other schools are in terms of running a game. So that always that always comes into play. Um, but we're, we're finding new and, and increasingly uh, unique ways to to get revenue. And, and uh, we're obviously going to continue to push and, and long term look to see what we can do about maybe expanding that that stadium down the road. So, John, yes or no. Do you have an edifice complex? <laughs> uh, no, not at all. No, not at all. I think we're comfortable with who we are. And uh, I, I think we can, again, we can compete against anybody, but we're comfortable with who we are. Well, there's good and bad in the 100,000-seat stadium. I remember, uh, you know, even though I've told the story a few times, Evan, it's a perfect example, and I think you'll be able to uh, commiserate with this one, John. Bobby Bowden told me years and years ago that uh, the time the school president for the first time showed up in his office and said, hey, we had some empty seats this week, Bobby knew the game had changed forever and said, you know what? I'm not long for Florida State University anymore. You have 100,000 seats, you got to fill 100,000 seats. Not, not the most comfortable scenario. Yeah, I, th I think a lot of schools have made a mistake of, of expanding their stadiums too much. And uh, you want demand. Demand's always important. And that's certainly something that we have right now. And so uh, we're going we're gonna to operate on a, on a waiting list for a few years. And I think we'll be happy with that. And uh, like I said, down the road, we'll look to see what else we can do. But you said you're competing for talent in Ohio and you said Chicago. So if I'm a top flight recruit in those areas, I'm also looking, I would assume, at Ohio State. I'm looking at Notre Dame. Uh, what is it? Well, give me the sales pitch. If, if you got the elevator pitch for me, if I'm looking at those schools as well and I'm a, I'm a five-star tier one top guy, what's the elevator pitch for Cincinnati? I think it starts with the fact that we're, we're a family and um, we're going to take care of you when you're here. Uh, we've got a really unique campus, a, a great urban campus that's been on the rise for a long time, 45,000 students. So it's a big, a big number of students, but it doesn't feel that way. Um, the other thing that we always talk about is our athlete village type of, type of approach to college athletics. And I think it's very unique to Cincinnati. If you're, if you're on Cincinnati's campus, you can get to almost every athletic facility with just a small, small radius, a small walk around um, to each one of them. Our baseball field is connected to our tennis courts, which is connected to our, our Nippert Stadium, which is connected to our basketball arena. Um, and then we have uh, the Linder Building, which hosts houses all of our all of our sports in, in one um, eight story building. Um, it's a beautiful structure um, and it, it does create a family atmosphere. And I think our student athletes, when they leave, really feel that, um, you know, Travis Kelsey, and I spoke about that when, when we got together here recently uh, in Kansas City, and, and he talked about how he always felt like that. So we, we certainly um, we, we have people that are, are singing our praises when they leave. And uh, that's that's my elevator speech. When you leave Cincinnati, you're getting a great education. You're going to feel like it's one of the best uh, decisions you ever made to uh, be a student athlete at Cincinnati. Eben, that's an administrator name dropping right there, letting the world know without saying it explicitly, you can get to the NFL, you can be an, an all pro if you come to Cincinnati and play football. It, it's that simple. And that's all, by the way, that's diametrically opposed. And you'll know this, but Eben, maybe you won't, the listeners won't, to Syracuse University. They have what's called South Campus. It's almost that, you know, you got to drive down there and that's where most of the ath athletes are held. So just two different approaches to how you house the athletes and how you incorporate them 
into the rest of the student body and how they uh, kind of interact with everybody. So I'm not saying one's right or wrong, but for Cincinnati, obviously, that's a selling point. I'm, I'm not above name dropping, by the way, I'll, I'll <laughs> especially with somebody like Travis, who uh, was just a, a really good individual and, and doing amazing things, obviously, at the highest level. John, college, you know, athletic departments make money, as you know, in, in three main ways. Ticket sales, you mentioned things are looking really good moving forward on the heels of a couple great football seasons. Another big one, donations. How have your conversations with donors changed in the past, let's say, year and a half or so as the football team's success on the field uh, clearly was was rising as well? It's a fun time to to go to our donors. And, I imagine. And I mean, it really is. And, and uh, you know, you don't you don't have to. Uh, you don't have to grease the wheels very much. You just walk in and say, hey, this is what we need to compete um, at this next level, which is the Big 12. So we, we started what we call the day one campaign. It's a $100 million campaign. Um, we've raised about a quarter of that already um, in a very short period of time and, and continue to raise money for that campaign. And the, the big the bell cow of that campaign is an indoor practice facility and a performance center right next to it. And so that's that's for football or for all sports. Uh, it you know it'll involve all sports. All sports will use the indoor. Um, there'll be certain aspects of the performance center that will be all sports. Um, nutrition being one of those, but um, obviously a lot of football elements to it as well. But it's just something that that we need, um, and we'll, we're going to get that thing built as quickly as we can, and and um, you know that will launch us into the Big Twelve. So let's talk about about the Big Twelve. You're you're moving conferences, a much higher profile league. At some point in the next three years, um, your, your budget right now would be, I believe, the lowest of, of all the schools in, in in the Big Twelve. How much do you see Cincinnati ramping up its spending in anticipation of joining the Big Twelve? Are there targets you need to get to? How do you see things changing in the interim before that jump to kind of get you guys on par in a business sense with schools like Kansas, schools like West Virginia, et cetera? Yeah, no, I think we have some internal uh, discussions about those targets and, and have kind of mapped it out a little bit. Um, and, and certainly that was part of this campaign, too, was just to make sure that we we could, uh, you know, before we had the television money coming in from the Big 12, that we could ramp up the way we needed to ramp up um, and do some of those special things. So uh, we're, we're uh, going to our donors. Like I said, that's a really important piece to us. Our, our university has always been extremely supportive of our athletics department and will continue to be. Um, but we also know that there's going to be a time too to, to give back to our university in a significant way. And so that's coming down the, coming down the line too. So it's just an exciting time. I, I do think that we will, uh, ramp up our, our budget and, um, we're going to get to a place where we're, we're very competitive, um, in the big 12 quickly. Is there a target number in there? Is it, is it 90 million? Is it North of that, South of that? Anything you can share on, on kind of what those targets look like? Yeah, I'm not, not ready to share that just cause I, we haven't, we haven't, um, firm that up across the board. Uh, but certainly there are some numbers that we've, we've talked about and, and some growth that we've uh, started to put into place already. We are chatting with John Cunningham, the AD at Cincinnati, going to take on Alabama. John, give me, give me a sense from an athletic director standpoint, what is the footing? How comfortable can you and your colleagues all over the country be? I wouldn't exactly describe it as terra firma right now with all with teams switching conferences with the skyrocketing salaries, with media coming into play. Um, how, how do you look at sort of just the landscape of college athletics uh, on a 30,000-foot scale? Yeah, I think Cincinnati is in a little bit of a unique position because we, we have for a long period of time um, always kind of had 
you know, the, the eye on the bigger picture of, of college athletics, understanding that we were doing some special things, but, but weren't in that power five group. And so um, we've always said this and I'll, and I'll continue to say it, you control what you can control, which is you be the very best Cincinnati you can be. You win at a high level. Um, you know, I think obviously our football program is doing that. Um, our basketball program, we have such a historic basketball program um, on the men's side and our women's team has been playing really well uh, for, for a while and, and has made tournaments here recently. So we've we got to continue to push, um, you know, in, in certain areas and, and grow so that no matter what, we're, we're going to be prepared for whatever, whatever happens going down the road. But uh, we're very happy and comfortable with the Big 12, obviously, and feel great about uh, that league and, and what that's going to bring to the table. It's going to, you know, it's going to be an immediate, um, you know, fantastic league on the football side, on the men's basketball side specifically and the women's basketball side, but men's specifically, it, it, to me, it's going to be, um, you know, one of the top two leagues in, in the country uh, basketball wise. So uh, we're just excited to be a part of that. How has NIL changed the landscape on the administration standpoint? I mean, we heard so many things, why it shouldn't happen, uh, wouldn't be fair to female athletes. Uh, it would be lead to pay for play, and we, we know some things are being investigated. Your, your take on what has happened and your response to it? Yeah, I've always been in favor of allowing our our young people to use their name, image, and likeness uh, to profit, um, but it, it has to be related to um, you know their efforts and their abilities and. Uh, their, their work product and sweat equity. And so um, we've seen that in our program. We've seen um, several of our student athletes, Desmond Ritter, our, our quarterback, um, has done a really nice job with NIL and, and deservedly so. Um, we've seen others that have gone out and, and done commercials. We had an offensive line group that went and did a Skyline Chili uh, commercial and, and uh, were able to benefit there. And so I, I love those things. That's exactly what you're looking for, which is student athletes getting creative and, and using their talents to, to benefit um, what you don't want is you don't want um, those benefits coming when they're not deserving of that. Um, and, and that that comes into that that, um, you know, are they using it for the purposes of of securing recruits and those types of things? And that's where you really that's where uh, as an athletic director and I've talked to others, that's where it, it becomes very um, disconcerting. And you, you start to really worry about the direction of our of our, um, you know, of, of college athletics. When, when you start to see these deals based strictly on uh, what seems to be based strictly on getting recruits to a school. I've spoken with a, a number of administrators who, who feel like a lot of these big changes that have happened in college sports recently, including NIL, including transfer portal uh, changes, are essentially going to accelerate the, the, the distancing between the haves and the have-nots, a, a gap that is already fairly wide right now. And, and someone told me recently that this last round or, or this current round of of, of realignment that's happening was, I believe his exact words were the final lifeboats uh, that are going back to land for, 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 for the, for the royalty of, of college sports. I'm curious if you feel that way, if, if you think that this move for Cincinnati going from the American to a power five league, the big 12 uh, is really a potentially seismic move and perfect timing for your school, given the fact that so much is changing so quickly across all of the NCAA. Yeah, it is all of those things. It is it is a, a seismic move. It is it is um, absolutely the right time uh, for us, and it, it came at the right time. Um, obviously, uh, for a number of different reasons, we we needed to we needed to get a better television contract uh, going forward. That was going to be important for our programs, all of our programs, all of our 425 student athletes. 
Um, and so that, that's a huge piece of the puzzle. And then all the other things that the Big 12 can, can bring to the table as well, just exposure and, and, and that type of thing. Um, so it, it really wasn't important for us. Uh, I'm, I'm not one that necessarily believes that, um, you know, the transfer portal or NIL is going gonna, is gonna to change things all that much. I, I do believe that we've got to be mindful of those of those NIL deals that are that don't seem um, to be on the up and up. I'm worried about that. But for the most part, um, you know, if you create a great atmosphere for student athletes and a great place for them to come to school, get a great education, uh, they feel like it's family. They leave and um, they've created friends for life and, and connections for life. Um, then you're always going to be successful. So I, I think it goes back again to uh, the coaches that are leading your programs and, and the structure and um, the things that you put into place to, to help your student athletes during their four or five years um, on your campus. Another thing that's changed a lot in, in the business side of college sports recently is the market for apparel contracts. Uh, and you guys are kind of in a unique position there. Your, your teams are still wearing Under Armour. You guys are kind of unwinding the relationship with Under Armour. We don't need to get into all the specifics, but at some point uh, in, in the next two or three years, I believe Cincinnati is a, is a free agent from a, from a, a, a market, uh, from a shoe and, and sneaker contract standpoint. Are you talking to, to new companies now? What is the status there? How much are you thinking about that? For, for some schools, that's a big revenue item. For other schools, it's much smaller. Yeah, it, it's certainly um, something that we're working through right now. Obviously, we uh, Under Armour has been a great partner of ours, um, and you know it was mutually beneficial for us to sit down uh, right right at the beginning of COVID and have a conversation about um, you know where we wanted to go in the future, and we were able to um, get some money uh, fronted, which we needed during that time to get us through a really difficult time. Uh, we restructured our deal. And we took a year off the deal and we also allowed us to go out right now and start to have conversations. And so those are the big the big pieces of the puzzle for us. And uh, it couldn't be at the, a better time for us. We, we, we are having those conversations um, and we are talking to to um, obviously the players in that game. But Under Armour is part of that conversation as well. They've been, they've been great. They just did a, a remarkable thing for our student athletes. Um, as we left for the Cotton Bowl, um, they had this, this uh, presentation of drones and, and fireworks and, and unbelievable gear that they, they gave to our student athletes going into the, the bowl game. So, again, a great partner, and we're still partners with them, but um, we've, got a, we've got a contract ending here soon, so we're, we're going to go test the market a little bit. And, and what's your level of optimism on that, on that next deal? On one hand, as you said, this is probably no, you've never been a hotter commodity. I think in that world, you're about to join the big 12. You have one of the best football teams in the country. All of those things are things that, that companies like Nike and Under Armour care a lot about. On the other hand, the market seems to really have shifted now that Under Armour doesn't seem appear to be as willing to, to open its, its wallet in the same way that it did five or six years ago. Um, how do you kind of balance those two things? One, obviously very optimistic and then one maybe slightly more pessimistic in terms of just the timing. Yeah, you certainly have to understand, um, you know, the deals that are being done and uh, the marketplace. And so that 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 comes into it. And it, it does appear that the marketplace has, has shifted over the last few years. That's that's some, that's a reality. Uh, but at the same time, um, for us entering into the marketplace, we have to we have to feel like we're in the very best position of, of almost any school in the country. In, in my opinion, um, we, we have so much growth potential. Uh, we've proven ourselves on the national stage. And um, we got great colors, you know, we're in a great city and uh, people like the CPAW. So, so I, I feel like we're in a great spot to go out and secure a, a tremendous deal going forward. I love that. that, that Eben, who would really think uh, on that topic, and we're talking grand scale business of sports, your colors matter, your logo matters. 
Yeah, I mean, would you be willing to see Oregon? Yeah, 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 UNC. But you see Oregon, you know, they had almost a a new design every week because obviously the affiliation with Nike, we we get it, but they had the fluorescent and what's cool, what's hip. Um, I think it's sort of accelerating the creativity. And everybody in pro sports talked about this time as one of acceleration on the sports business standpoint. What has been accelerated in collegiate athletics in terms of business of sport? Well, the, the obvious one is the the television contracts. Uh, you know that that's that has certainly been accelerated over the last uh, fifteen years, and and uh, we've seen that. And so that's that's why it's so crucial that you find yourself in into a conference that uh, can secure a, a top notch television contract, which we have done. Um, that that's that's one for sure. I think I think the NIL space is the other the other big one in college sports that will continue to accelerate, and we need to understand it. We need to help our student athletes navigate that world. Um, and, and so that, that's going to be something that we continue to watch and, and uh, monitor. All right, John, you can tell me if I'm crazy, because lots of people do, including Eben. But one of my predictions, and this dates back to the time, I don't even know how many years ago, when Bain Capital tried to buy the National Hockey League. The NHL was in the middle of a lockout, and Bain came in with a $4 billion offer to purchase the entire league, every team, and take it as a private enterprise under private equities header. Uh, I am guessing, if, if someone was asking me long-term prediction, I don't have a timetable, but that one day there will be two, three, four, five, whatever private, equi- uh, private equity firms circling collegiate athletics, looking to grab the top 50 programs, pull them out of the NCAA and totally privatize the whole thing. Am I absolutely insane or do you see that? You know what? I don't say no to anything. You know, I, I think the last probably year and a half has taught us that it's hard to say no to anything. Um, although I, I, you know, personally, I don't think that that's that's the path that we should be going down. I think we have to really understand um, the value of the education that, that these young people receive. All 425 student athletes at Cincinnati um, have an opportunity to get a tremendous education, set themselves up for life. And I, and I believe in that. Um, some people will be cynical about that. I refuse to be. I think there's some real value in that. I think that they create friendships for life and connections for life. Um, and that's, that's part of the things that we're looking at and really trying to expand our program um, post-graduation to make sure that we're, we're setting our, our young people up um, to be successful in anything that they do. And then, and then they'll give back to our program in a lot of different ways. And so, um, you know, I still believe in it. I hope, I hope we don't go down a path where it becomes uh, private equity firms coming in. Um, I, I think there's a model here that um, still works. And, I, and, and you know, it, it's, it's for people um, to, to get together and really, really figure this thing out from, from presidents to athletic directors and others. Um, we, we've got to figure this thing out in the next, the next few years. All right, John Cunningham, athletic director at the University of Cincinnati. Come on, let's end this with some trash talk in Alabama. Saban's not that good, is he? <laughs> I, know, I know better than that. <laughs> I saw him in the NFL. It wasn't all that impressive. I don't know. What's the big deal? Well, he, he is absolutely one of the, the stalwarts in the game. And, um, I mean, his results speak for themselves. So um, it's going to be a challenge. I, I, I know our, our student athletes are really excited about playing Alabama because they are Alabama. And uh, for the last few years, they've, they've watched them uh, compete for national championships. And so I think Coach Pickle said it right. You know, if you're going to go go play in the playoff, why not, why not start with the behemoth and uh, just take on Alabama right, to, right out of the gate and see what you can do and, uh, you know, I, I just uh, I pray everybody's healthy going into the game and, and we can have a great game and it should be a lot of fun. Are you creating an NFT? Anything for this moment? 
A- a- anything on the blockchain? <laughs> you know, you know the kids like the blockchain, John. I know they do. Um, I, you know, I, we've talked a little bit about NFT. I got to get some younger people that can really dive in on NFTs. Um, but uh, I, you know, I know I, we just had a conversation about it last night. So um, I don't know if we're going to create one yet, but uh, I'm sure it won't be too far, too far down the road that we'll be doing all kinds of stuff with NFTs. Free advice. I want no consulting fee at all. If you beat Alabama, John, create an NFT. Okay. <laughs> all right. We'll, we'll jump on that. All right. We'll jump on. All right, John. Thanks so much. We really do appreciate it. And good luck. Thank you, guys. Take care. All right, Evan. Uh, I'm excited to see these games. I, I know Cincy isn't the the blue blood brand name, but I'm excited to see how they fare against Alabama. And uh, the the one real takeaway for me here is. The N95 masking up and boy, oh boy, with this virus, I mean, I'm hearing every day from friends and parents of friends. Oh, my kid, my this, everybody seems to have this thing now. It's going to be really hard to keep these teams healthy. And I would be, I'm not going to say shocked, but I would be at, you know, mildly surprised if there isn't a, at least some outbreak on, if not one, then more of these teams. Yeah, I think John uh, is probably terrified about that exact thing. I think every time his phone rings or every time the phone buzzes, my guess is he's looking at it and thinking, oh, man, please don't be please don't be the the ultimate bad news. Uh, And then wider Scott, uh, he talked a lot, obviously, about joining the the Big 12 going to be a a massive move for Cincinnati. I think he's he he would probably look at you what Utah was about a decade ago when they were a really good kind of mid-tier conference college football team. They ended up joining the Pac-12. That has obviously changed the permanently changed the direction of Utah athletics. I think that's probably the model they're looking at as we would love uh, for this move to, to do for Cincinnati, uh, what that move did for Utah. And that's going to be a lot more revenue and a lot more spending. Didn't say no to the private equity, which I love. Mm. And also remember uh, the, the part about 100,000 seat stadiums are mistakes. In some places, if you're going to build it, you got to fill it. Yeah, but he's got a 40,000 seat one, and I think that's going to get bigger <laughs> at some yeah. point in, in the future, not smaller. Well, hold the, hold the pricing power. Keep it at 40. Demand goes up. You know, supply and demand. It's a pretty pretty basic principle that I think everybody understands. Uh, maybe go for some premium experience stuff, you know, a premium spot or two. But boy, uh, you don't want to go from 40 to 60 to 70 because then you get the Bobby Bowden knock on the door, right? There you go. All right. He is Eben Novi Williams on the Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. I am Scott Soshnick on Twitter at Soshnick. Uh, the show can be found at Sportacast, which is soon to be the hub of the Sportico Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply.